When was the last time you had a quality moment? One that felt like time didn't exist. I would wager that this moment didn't have to do with you being glued to your smartphone, swimming in a social media feed. At least, that is true for me. A recent quality moment for me was actually this morning when I worked out with a few friends in a park. We did bodyweight exercise, circuits, air squats, sit-ups, push-ups, pull-ups, you know, the basics. And it was hard, but we did it together, so it was also fun. It made it easier to push myself, and throughout the workout, we made a few jokes, pushed each other. It was filled with a few great moments that helped me start my day with accomplishment and community. Speaking of moments, there is an application called Moment that is helping over 7 million users reduce phone usage through coaching, and it works. I can tell you I'm a user myself, and I'm not alone. So far, Moment has given 7 million people their time back. Those who utilize the Moment Coach gain an hour back each day by applying simple strategies that reduce their phone usage. Every day, all Moment users combined get back 49 years of time to spend on what really matters to them. Things like meaningful experiences with friends and family, exploring their passions, or living life in the moment. 7 million people, that's a lot. Knowing that there are that many people using the application helps me know I'm not alone in my pursuit of finding more quality time off of my smartphone. I've been using the app about a year or so and have completed a few of their awesome courses. When my friends ask me, what is Moment? I simply pitch the app as my personal Zen Buddhist embedded in my phone that holds me accountable and helps me put my attention towards the present moment or with the fascinating non-digital world surrounding me. So this interview today is with the CEO of Moment. His name is Tim Kendall. He has an impressive background as a technology leader. Slightly intimidating. Tim is the former president of Pinterest. I don't know if you've used it. I definitely have a few boards that I've pinned to. At Pinterest, he led product development, engineering, marketing, and sales, so kind of everything. And prior to Pinterest, Tim was Facebook's director of monetization. Maybe you've heard of Facebook. And Tim also serves on the board of UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital. Awesome. And he earned his engineering degree and MBA from the great Stanford University. And on this episode of Time Off, Tim and I discuss the origins of the Moment app and how it works, the analogous connection of a food diet to a social media diet, how the same algorithm tools that are grabbing our attention could actually be used to reverse the effects, and the awesome company culture that the Moment team is building. I hope you enjoy our moments of discussion. Tim, thanks for making the time to discuss with me. I, I wanted to bring up the tagline or current tagline, it might change over time, of Moment, which I love, which is less phone, more real life. Could you, from your personal perspective, describe a recent notable moment where you had more real life due to having less phone? 
Yeah, you know, I, I probably can think of a couple examples, but maybe the most recent is obviously I'm, I'm the CEO of Moment, but my, my wife also is <clears throat> a leader at the company. And so we try to bring a lot of what we're experimenting with and, and learning with back into our, our home life. One of the things we did over the holidays, we hosted both my wife's family and my family, and we kind of got everybody on board with not using devices for the for basically a week. Now, you could use your, the rules were that you could use your device in whatever room you were sleeping in. So if you wanted to go to the bedroom and, and check something, that was fine. But in terms of the common area, like the, the kitchen and, and family room, like no phones. You couldn't bring your phone, you couldn't look at your phone, you couldn't bring an iPad, you couldn't look at an iPad and, and no TV. I have to say it was pretty, uh, it was pretty profound in terms of just the, the difference in, in, I think, the vibe and just in terms of how people, you know, were able to be present with one another and not be distracted by what was going on, on on their phone, not be distracted by what was going on outside that room. And so that's probably the most recent, like substantive example of, of less phone, more real life. Um, uh, you know, I, I, you, could, you could easily revise that tagline to be less phone, better life, <laughs> in, in my humble opinion. I just think that most of us, have an unhealthy usage pattern with our phone and if we can refactor that and and change it into healthier usage you know people's lives change you know the the people who you know the millions of users that we have who we have we have helped um tell us that you know when we when we're able to take their phone usage that you know on average when they when they come to us it's four hours a day and we're able to help them pretty quickly through our coaching programs, reduce that by at least 25% down to three hours. Um, even that, you know, which is, which is substantial. Um, you know, it's an extra hour back of time a day. Um, they report to us that their relationships are better, their attention span increases and they just overall feel, feel happier. Um, and, and that's my experience uh, in general with with just limiting limiting the time that I'm that I'm on my phone. Sure. Yeah. So what was interesting is most recently I did a analysis where my daily average was right at about ninety minutes since the beginning of the year that your app pro provided that insights. And so I then set a goal where I said, okay. Oh, and then I, I said, okay, let's look at since January, that that totaled Tim to be about like 52 hours, which again, if you look at me across the average, I'm, I'm on the low end. But when I, yeah. when I looked at it from zooming out a little bit, I was like 52 hours. Like I've been able to prototype applications in that amount of time, amount of time. Or, or write a significant amount of content for my book or like that's three or four dinner parties with people I, I really love. And totally. so it was, it was the zooming out that uh, was, was really special for me to then put something to action where I, I have like a sort of a micro goal of just, just getting it down to below 60 minutes, uh, which yeah. has been, which I'm tracking towards, but it's amazing what that 
time will give back for me to decide what other moments do I want to create. I'm curious, how do you think we got here? Like, I don't think all of us um, just just said, you know, I want to be highly distracted by the supercomputer in my pocket. Like, it, like, and you're, and have you thought about how we all got here to where all of a sudden, when we don't have phones, we're like, wow, at this family occasion, it's special. All of a sudden, yeah. Them away. How did how did they get a hold of us? Yeah, I've thought I've thought a lot about it. I mean, I think that you know, we were talking earlier, not not on not on not taped, but we were talking about how you were really compelled by the launch of the iPhone, you know, some 12 years ago. And I think we were all compelled by it. And I, but, but I think that one of the things that is problematic about an internet enabled supercomputer in your pocket is that you can kind of, you can do, as things occur to you to do, you know, like, oh, I need to buy that. Oh, I need to schedule that appointment. Oh, I need to call this person. I need to text this person. I need to uh, read that article. The problem, the drawback is that you, you get into this ad hoc pattern, I think, of just constantly distracting yourself, you know, as you're going about your day or, or, or you know, going for a walk in the park. You can at, at any point, and this is different than than what was the case twelve years ago. You just grab your phone and 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 do something. Oh, and guess what happens when you get on your phone? Very often, and we see this in in our data and, and in our uh, qualitative research. You know, ninety percent of the time, you end up doing more than what you had intended to do when you pulled your phone out of your pocket. Mm, so, see. you know, you start start pulling the thread and then and then before you know it you're you've a walk in the park has turned into sitting on the park bench you know hunched over uh scrolling through a, a social media feed yeah it's like putting it in your pocket tim is like you're unwillingly signing up for a bunch of unplanned work in the near future yeah or or unplanned frivolous time wasting right like yeah. um, you know, I think that uh, both the fact that we can do productive work on our phones and do frivolous stuff on our phones is also part of the the, the challenge of, of these devices. I think the other thing is that, and this has been talked about readily, is just that these services, their social media services and their things like, like YouTube and other services that depend on growing the amount of people who use it and the amount of time and attention that each person spends on the service. That's just what the, the, the survival and, and thriving of those services is predicated on that. And they know that. And then they also have really um, phenomenally world-class artificial intelligence that is being given the objective function of hey let's let's get john to spend more and more time on this thing and okay so you you hand that to the the machine learning algorithm and you say here's all the data that i have on john we know all this about him because he's been on the service for a couple of years figure out how to get him to spend you know 10% more time on it each month well the 
machine learning algorithm goes away and, and I'm, I'm personifying a little bit. It's not, this isn't exactly how it happened. <laughs> sure. It goes away and it says, oh, well, well get, what we figured out is that if we can send John a push notification at 7.50 p.m., especially on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we can lock him into an hour and a half session. So let's hold the notifications that we plan to send John on Tuesdays and Thursdays and wait until 7.50 p.m. to send it to him because that will be the way that we can distract him most easily and maximize the amount of time he's going to uh, be able to waste or, or will be willing to waste because we know, because our algorithm is telling us that his willpower at that point is low. I mean, again, these aren't the terms that are being that are these terms are not surfacing explicitly in the AI, but this is practically what is happening. You are really dealing with a tremendous force that that really tests your your willpower and and your resolve around spending your time the way that that spending your time in a way that's in your best interest mm-hmm. in the medium and long term. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you brought up some of the mechanics behind the scenes and, and looking underneath the hood for listeners that aren't aware of these things. Maybe they'll go and research that. But I, as you were saying that, I'm thinking to myself a bit, a bit of optimism because, you know, the machine learning algorithms are just a new incredible tool in terms of data analysis that we can create uh, interfaces or software moments with. And just as that they can be used to personify me, um, you can, they could be used in a way for a shield of, hey, and, and rather than grabbing my attention, it can, it can nudge or interrupt me in one of these uh, bad habits because it has the capability of doing that as well. Similar to how my grandpa said, look, here's a knife. I can cut a watermelon up with it and serve to my family or I can stab someone with it. It's just a matter of what's the intent of the, <laughs> of, of, of the tool. We, we, you're hitting on what we think is possible um, with moment. Awesome. You know, we really, we don't use that word, but I like that word shield. You know, I think that we really can, I think you got to fight fire with fire. And, and I think that in order to really help give people back their time and their agency as it relates to how they are spending their days and, and increasingly they're spending more and more of their days staring at these phones. Um, I think you're going to have to bring technology to bear um, in the, in the same way, but with the, um, with the inverse objective, right? Which is how do I help? Okay. Let's give this machine learning algorithm the objective of maximizing John's long-term sense of well-being. Well, if that's the objective, then, you know, and, and we're able to, to really lure the user to follow sort of our guidance versus something, you know, else that might be more distracting and less healthy on the phone, it's pretty cool. Like, we should be able to really, I mean, this is the power of this technology, we should be able to really help change people's psychological well-being and, and really change their habits on the, on the phone, or at least that's the hope. Yeah, well, I can tell you that... Your, your hope has been met from at least my case study. So, you know, I'm not aware of, of what level of machine learning or data science you're using, but, you know, the magic of, 
of, of, of technology as it can seem that you have something rather advanced. And, and I'll give a bit of an example. About a year ago, I, I decided for my birthday that I wanted to go to Oaxaca, Mexico to learn how to make mezcal. It's a, one of the only spirits I, I enjoy from time to time. And I wanted to learn how to make it because it's one of the only ones made in a very manual hands-on way. What is it like, a tequila and, or something? What, how does, how, what's it yeah, taste like? A, a creative way to, to put it is mezcal is to tequila what scotch is to whiskey. Okay. So it has a very smoky tone to it because it's uh, fermented underground with some hot rocks. But it's a very like spiritual, majestic uh, spirit that is only made in the state of Oaxaca. So you have agaves in Mexico. Right. And it's very similar to grapes in the old world where, you know, Bordeaux can only come from Bordeaux. Uh, champagne can only come from the Champagne region. And so Mexico has a, has a similar idea around each state has their own way of turning agave into a spirit. And mezcal happens to be one that I just, I like the art behind it because it's, I mean, it, it, the amount of work, human work that goes into making one of them is, is truly remarkable. And, and the agaves that are, um, that you're able to make mezcal out of, at, at the minimum, I believe, have to sit there in the sun for like 10 years. Yeah. And so, you know, there are these old plants. And the, anyway, so I was, I was fascinated by it. I wanted to treat myself to a, an, an experience of learning how, th how this is made from, from the local, what are called mescaleros. So about a week before I go on that trip, I found your app because I'm, I'm really into these um, digital minimalism, you know, applications. And I had it on my phone while I was on my trip. And whether your data science intended to or not, it felt as if I did have that AI shield protecting my time on this significant occasion of mine, which was, you know, these 12 days in, in Mexico. And I chose to do your bored and brilliant uh, uh, course, I believe is what is what they're called while I was there. And what was incredible was these prompts that it would give me throughout the throughout that coaching program that made me change the way I look at what bored was yeah. instead of this thing that I want to run away from. I saw it as Wait a minute. There's a new equation happening in in my head. Yeah. Bored. Bored equals curious. Curious means I'm going to put myself in a new situation and try to understand something. Yeah. And so it it turned me into uh, like a travel documentarian because I, I I was like, wait, okay, I'm definitely bored. I want to look down at my phone, but instead, wait, what's that smell over there? Or why are they making the rugs that way? Or mm -hmm. why is that plant that way? And and so it it increased the saturation of my present moment there. Uh, so I can tell you what you're hoping for is is occurring already with you with users like me. And so Bored and Brilliant is one of your current courses in the application. I I, I want to let listeners know that there there's also attention span, better sleep, family introduction, mini detox, and phone boot camp. Can you talk about these different courses and and why those are the current offerings? Yeah, so um, the, the the original two were um, the course that you did, Bored and Brilliant, and then the and then the Phone Boot Camp, and those are those are kind of the the table stakes of of what we have found to be the best tips and tricks and exercises, really, to get people to kind of just develop more awareness about how they use their phone, and then and then start to understand, okay, why why am I 
what are the triggers that are leading me to get on Instagram for an hour at 7.50 at night on a Thursday? And start to become aware of that. Am I, am I, am I picking my phone up at that point because I'm feeling bored? Am I lonely? Am I sad? And, and what other you know, alternatives are there to you know, doing this thing that, you know, by, frankly, I don't feel that good about? And then um, we're trying to also help people really get a sense for what they would like their phone. You know, in, in a perfect world, if they had infinite willpower, what would they like their phone usage to, to look like? And then we try to help them, you know, we have sort of tools within the app that hold people accountable to like the objectives that they, that they set. And so those were kind of the base plate courses, Board and Brilliant and Phone Bootcamp. And then we just recently added attention span, sleep, uh, the family introduction, mini detox. Um, the point behind those four, those were kind of the more, those were the next four uh, slightly more specific areas in which our users were telling us um, that they wanted help. So, you know, I think that the freneticism of, of constantly checking our phones, being on our phones a lot, definitely impacts our the length of our attention span. And so the point of the attention span course is to really help help with that and provide some guidelines for kind of redeveloping your attention span. A lot of people talk to us about the, the effect that the phone has on their sleep. And so this is meant to kind of encapsulate the better sleep uh, course is meant to help with that. Um, mini detoxes sort of for those who don't want to dive into, you know, a longer eight, 14 day course and just want to do a few days to kind of see if that, that, that can jumpstart a, a new behavior. And then the family intro, which is, um, you know, short, but I think one of our more powerful new courses is really meant to help a group of family, um, parents and kids to collectively um, sort of understand their usage habits, understand the impact of each other's usage, of, of each of their usage habits on the rest of the group and, and try to set um, some different guidelines for how they, as a family, want to use their phone. So one of the, you know, this, this is not specifically in the family intro, but you know, the kind of thing that could have come out of a family intro was the, the norm that my wife and I established that then allowed all of us to kind of have that, that sacred area where we weren't going to use our devices over the, over the holidays. I love that. Is there, do you have any, I know, I mean, it sounds like you have a great culture there at moment of, of being very customer centric and you know your your recent courses are a response to what you've heard from former course attendees do you have any, do you have any right. course topics uh, for you personally that are ideas in your mind of other things moving forward in the future that you would be excited about hmm well yeah i mean i think that we we have talked about and and i think you know, it's it's unclear. We're we're thinking through how the courses are going to evolve going forward, but um, and and will they will they retain their same kind of daily format, or what's what's the best way to deliver the the sort of most effective experience for for the for the user? I'd say topically, some areas that I think are 
I think you go very deep in social media because there are a lot of things, there are a lot of forces at play that I think we could help decompose for people. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this notion of why, why a feed, why an endless feed is so, why it has addictive characteristics, why it's something that we have trouble stopping once we've started, you know, kind of enumerating that for people and helping them kind of develop some real time awareness as they're doing it. And I think there's a whole body of, of advice that we could give people just in terms of one of the addictive components of social media is the, the variable reward that comes from posting content and the immediate feedback that you get from people. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, uh, you know, folks in the, in, in, in my side of the debate have called it, you know, it's like a slot machine. And I think giving people more depth in terms of why it is so addictive and what are the things that they can do to kind of moderate that and maybe some norms they can put in place. You know, maybe only post something once a week. For mm-hmm. right? I mean, you got people who are posting 20 things a day and maybe that's the right, you know, the right, the right amount. I mean, it's, it's funny. So much of what we talk about in terms of thinking about phone usage and, and developing a healthy phone habit, set of phone habits, it feels so analogous to me to like just eating well <laughs> sure. versus eating versus eating poorly. And a lot of that is is kind of you know figuring out what what is healthy, what's not healthy, and and adjusting the proportions. Mm. So w- with technology and with our phones, abstinence is is probably not it's not realistic, and it's probably it's probably not the right answer either. And so you know maybe the right answer in the same way that if you know if you were eating a lot of junk food and no protein and all carbs, you know, and you went to a dietitian, they said, you know, you might, John, you might feel a lot better if we could get those, if we get some of your core eating proportions uh, readjusted. And, you know, you don't have to give up dessert, you don't have to give up carbs, but we're just going to rev it down a little bit. And, and I, I think that we're solving a similar problem, right? We're trying to say, okay, John, you've got these proportions clearly don't feel good day to day. You know, you've got this constant anxiety and hangover feeling that lots of our users tell us about based on how you're using your phone. What's the right kind of proportion of various things on your phone? And then what's the right kind of total amount of time to spend that leads you to feel better? You know, in the same way that a balanced diet makes you feel a lot better than when you're eating poorly. Um, so it's a, similar, it's a similar kind of problem slash solution. Yeah, I... I've had a, a, I guess you would call it a diet transformation over the last year or so where your application was showing me which applications were taking up the majority of the time. And I was able to associate, you know, some of the negative emotions or, or the things that were taking away my ability to ship some of the things I wanted to do. And so by asking myself, you know, what are the projects that really matter to me, um, whether that's uh, the, the startup I'm working on or this project time off, I was like, okay, what if I only use social media for that purpose to either learn something or share something to sort of a prototype approach? If I have a chapter idea for time off, well, if I share it across 
Instagram, let's say on stories, I only need to check back within, you know, once within a 24 hour period. And I can see like, wow, that one post was really received well, which is a, I get that positive reward of, of knowing that some people liked the message I shared. But sometimes if it doesn't work, I can look at it not as a, oh, people don't like me or failure, but rather, okay, well, that's not a message that resonates as much as the one I shared last week. So it can become almost this like testing playground for, for my ideas. And it was just a slight tweak in my uh, relationship with it. Likewise, you know, your, your app has shown me that I have increased some of my screen time but it's with new applications like Blinkist or Elevate or Waking Up right. or any other meditation app. And, you know, an and uptake in those is increasing my mood and my own path towards mindfulness. And so I like yep. the analogy of a diet. It's like no one has ever slapped me on the, rest, uh, on the wrist for eating too many pieces of spinach. <laughs> right, right. Um, so you, you um, have you have a very impressive background in leading technology companies. How has your like working in the space, has there been any breaking points in the past where you realized your relationship needed to change? Maybe that was prior to your work with moment. I'm just curious if you had a, a breaking point of any kind. Yeah. A couple of years ago, um, you know, three, three, four years ago, right, right around the time that I had my wife and I started having kids, um, I noticed this kind of growing problem of just spending, you know, I'd come home from work, haven't really seen, you know, my, my wife, and I definitely haven't seen my kids all day. And I would find myself hiding, and I've talked about this quite a bit, but, but it's, it's I, I keep talking about it because it's like, I, I think it I think a lot of people can relate to it. I find myself hiding in my pantry, you know, looking at not even doing work, like, you know, going through scrolling through a social media feed or looking at a frivolous YouTube video that either someone had sent me or was in kind of the most viewed of that day. And, and I remember thinking and just having this like cognitive dissonance. I was like, God, I, I, what am I doing? I, 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 this is not, this is not a line, this behavior of sitting here by myself, looking at something that is not going to improve my life in any way. In fact, it's probably just going to detract from it and make me feel worse. Notwithstanding that I can't seem to stop and it's, and it's completely incongruent with what I, what my values are, which my values are is I want to be, I want to engage and be with my family and spend time with them. And they're out in the other room and I'm, I'm in the pantry. Like what's going on here? What forces are, are, are at play? Wow. And it felt like it, it really having had a couple that happened to me a, a lot, you know, for probably a period of months. And I just remember thinking, God, this is like, this is no different than if I were in the pantry overeating or in the pantry, you know, swigging a, a bottle of bourbon. Like, like I, I'm doing the same thing. It's just, I'm just doing it with my phone. It, I'm using my phone to self soothe and escape. And it just struck me that, you know, the light bulb went off a few times that, God, this is going to be a real, this has got to be, and I, you know, start talking to lots of people who were, 
your friends and colleagues and everyone was kind of starting to struggle with this. Um, I think it kind of coincided quite frankly with really the, and, and, and I'm out of my depth here in terms of really knowing exactly when the artificial intelligence started to really take root, but you know, around kind of the 14, 15, 16, um, those years, is when I think there were some pretty powerful inflection points in terms of the effectiveness of um, artificial intelligence. We certainly at, at Pinterest saw some breakthroughs mm -hmm. in terms of using those technologies to drive higher engagement. And so I think that was the time where lots of people were like, God, something's a little bit off. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really started thinking about that this was a problem that I that I suffered from and still struggle with today, right? I mean, even though I'm working on this problem, I, I still have, I mean, I'm way better, but I, you know, I have my weak, weak moments. It just occurred to me, God, like there, there are a lot of people out there that are probably struggling with this. And, you know, maybe, maybe we can build something and create something that could help people. It turned out when I left Pinterest, I wanted to go build that, and, and there was a brilliant entrepreneur named Kevin Halesh who had built something already called Moment. And so he and I connected and partnered up when he agreed to, to sell the company to me, and, and he still is very much involved and, and, and works day-to-day -day on Moment still. Um, and so that's, the, that's how we ended up where we are. That's, that's wonderful. So, Tim, be, becoming, you know, since that time and – you know, it's an ongoing practice. There is no, you know, in, in state of perfection, at least I don't think I'll ever achieve it, but being more moment affluent and more moment aware, how has that changed you as a leader? And then also same question as a husband and father. Well, I think as a leader, I, I, and I look, I still struggle with this, but, but I think there is, there is still conventional wisdom in, in Silicon Valley. And I think probably within the finance world and probably other interest industries that are overworked that you got, if you're going to create something or do great work and be a great contributor to an organization, well, God, you got to be on 24 seven. You've got to be, connected and responsive. And I think that early in my career, I was, I really bought into that. And now I really think that that mentality, if you apply that mentality to an organization, I think it really erodes your organization's ability to create and innovate in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. Cause I think it just burns people out. Mm -hmm. And I know this is something you feel you feel strongly about as well. And so I would say just as a leader, I've tried to, with Moment, really, uh, one of our core values, and we don't have that many of them, um, one of them is like, you have to disconnect. And so we're really rigorous about people at the company disconnecting at night. We don't have an expectation. And in fact, it is really counter to our norms if people send an email. And, you know, after six o'clock and we have a, a similar stance on the weekend. Uh, we just think that that needs to be really sacred time where you are not thinking about work. 
and ideally sometimes it's easier said than done, sure. but at least you're not, at least you're not communicating. And so I think it's, I think it's just made me, you know, better, better in that sense. And, you know, I try to be really, I think that there are lots of us who have experiences in meetings, you know, in a work environment or even in one-on-one conversations where people have their device in front of them, they're looking at it, they're checking it well in a conversation, well in a meeting. And I, I think those, I, I have very little tolerance for that as, as a leader and a member of the team, because I think it just really takes away from a group or even a, a pair of people's ability to, to communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Attention. Attention is so sacred. Totally. Um, and then with my family, you know, again, I, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but on my good days, when I get home from work, you know, my phone, I turn my phone off and the next two or three hours, you know, between when I get home and when my two um, kids go to bed, I'm, I'm not connected. I'm not reachable and um, I'm not looking at anything on my phone. My phone's shut off and in, 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 in a drawer. And uh, that has made a big difference in terms of, I think, the quality of my relationships with my kids and with my wife. Now, I, what I say is I'm not perfect. Like, I, I have weak moments, right? There's something going on and I need to be, I need to at least have my phone available of something. But, but that's, the, that's the exception for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and being mindful of it, and it says a lot that not only have you established of, of your small set of values within the company, it's, you know, to, to practice that and to, to commit to that and to live to it is a, is a beautiful thing, is a special thing, and definitely different from, you know, most of, of my friends and their company cultures, which I'm hoping, you know, a lot of these messages I'm trying to tell is, you know, I have a lot of listeners, Tim, that are like, yeah, John, I'm all about this. This is great. But, you know, my manager and my leader, it's, it's, about, get, it's about getting this message to them. So um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Like, um, I actually really love y'all's values as a company. It says a lot uh, about you. Um, so I actually have them in front of me. Do you mind if I read them aloud? No. Cool. So the first one is be good to one another. Second is we are humble and curious. Three, we place thoughtful big bets. Four, we listen deeply, debate passionately, and decide definitively. And lastly, you mentioned we make time to disconnect. I'm curious of the moment, <laughs> no pun intended, that you, you decided uh, to make these with, with your team. And uh, a little, little bit of the backstory, I just think, I think it's, it's, it seems simple, but I think they're really remarkable values for a company. Yeah, we, you know, we created them when the company was, it was just a few of us and we all sat down, we, we spent a couple days uh, together and one of the days was really what, well, what do we want? What do we want this organization to be about? You know, what's the ethos? And uh, we ended up brainstorming, you know, what were the, what were the attributes that we wanted to make sure that our values capture? Cause values are so important, assuming that you live by them. They're just so important in terms of establishing the early days of, of company culture that hopefully persists and sustains over time. They're also um, a really important template for hiring because in an ideal world, you're, you're actually 
you know, you're actually hiring through the lens of your values and you're figuring out how to tease out when you're talking to a candidate, are they going to be able to embody these based on the kind of character that we're seeing emerge through the interview? Mm. And uh, so, so we just, we spent a whole day on it and then, and then wrote like a draft and then we iterated on it with the team. I mean, we spent probably collectively as a group, I mean, many, many days making sure that we thought that they were, that they were right. And I think we'll probably, you know, I think, I think they need to evolve. It doesn't mean that they change, but you know, it's a little bit like the constitution and the amendments, right? You need to be able to, to, to shift as, as your context changes, but the, the core of them will, will stay, will stay the same. And, and look, I think they are, I think they're really important and valuable. There's a guy, um, Mitch Kapoor, who founded a company, software company, I think it's like 30 years ago, a company called Lotus. And he is now an investor out here. And, and I heard him speak uh, when I was at Pinterest. And one of the things that he has looked at in his own portfolio, and he's made, I'm guessing dozens, but maybe he's made hundreds of investments, probably more like hundreds given how long he's been around. And one of the things that was fascinating to me is he said that what he believes he sees in his companies in terms of causality, what he believes is causality with, with positive outcomes is the ability for a company to establish values early and then tie the performance evaluation to embodying the values. Wow. And so if you get, and that makes sense, right? If you get the values right, and then you make sure, and then you incentivize people to adhere to the values, then the outcome, you know, the end outcome and the output of the company in theory, right, should take care of itself. So yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, because it's, it's like it doesn't matter how aspirational your values no. are. If you haven't committed to it or embody them, no. then, you know, they're just, they're just another inspirational quote. Yeah. Wow. Well, so I have to say your application, Tim, has definitely given me some of my most favored push notifications, which anyone has a smartphone. Oh, terrific. <laughs> that, that's a common theme. But a question I, I'd like to ask is, if you could send a push notification to anyone with a phone right now, do you have a clever message in mind that you'd want, like right now, just ping everyone with an Android or iPhone or any device that takes notifications would get Tim's message right now. Do you have any idea what you'd like to say? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I would, maybe it would be a question, right? Which is like, how are you happy? Are you happy with how you're using your phone today? Mm. Is using your phone in the way that you use it making you happy? And, and if not, you know, Moment might be able to help you. Mm. So Moment is currently, you can get it on Google Play, you can get it on the App Store, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. And you're 7 million users and growing. Is, is there, oh, I want, like how, how, can, how can we help besides giving the, the app a go? Or is your team growing? Is, are, you, are you hiring yeah, the at the moment? The team's growing. We're looking for, we're looking for Android and iOS engineers and, and actually some, some machine learning engineers as well. And, you know, people can, can email me at tim in the moment.io. 
And, and then we have, uh, it's a little ironic considering what we're trying to do. We do have an Instagram presence. Uh, and the handle is moment the app. Mm-hmm. Um, and we post, it's, it's a useful, I think it's a useful channel. I mean, we post lots of, um, research and content and, and some interviews that I've done. So it really is a, a, a pretty good resource for people who want to learn more about just this, this issue and how various people are, are looking to solve it. Awesome, Tim. Well, we'll uh, wrap up here and I deeply appreciate your, your time of elaborating on the backstory of moment and to also just discuss this very interesting intersection of where we, where we are today with these supercomputers. Um, yeah, it's wild. Well, thank you. I really, I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. Thank you so much for listening. I highly recommend that you check out the Moment app for yourself and see how it might improve your relationship with your smartphone. Maybe you might become more aware of your bad habits like I have. And if you notice a few bad habits, they've got a collection of courses depending on what category of that relationship you're not proud of that can get you back on the path towards more quality moments outside of those supercomputers in our pockets. Thanks for listening, and I wish you more quality time off in your near future.